0: delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 75 will feature Kentucky football legend, Sonny Collins. From Madisonville, Kentucky, running back Sonny Collins exploded onto Stoll Field and on the campus at the University of Kentucky in 1972. With high expectations, Sonny Collins put up some big numbers for coach Fran Kersey. Setting school records and accumulating college football honors, Sonny Collins was recruited to Kentucky to lay the foundation for a winning football program, and that he did. In part one of Oscar's conversation with Sonny Collins, Oscar bridges the gap between the past and the president discussing Sonny's record of being the all-time leading rusher at UK and how eventually it will be broken during the 2018 Kentucky football season. Sonny rekindles a fond memory of his favorite football player and his greatest inspiration and we'll hear about the recruiting process that ultimately landed Sonny at UK. Sonny talks with Oscar on who he helped recruit to UK and they will take a look at his legendary career on the field and his legendary style off the field. Sonny Collins broke numerous records and garnered a plethora of awards, but in this episode, he will talk about his greatest achievement, life after football, and being welcomed and embraced by the Big Blue Nation. Alfred Sonny Collins set the bar for UK running backs during a transitional period for UK football and his influence can be felt today on the field and his message off the field. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs, and his guest, Sonny Collins. I don't know where it's
0: S-O-N-N-Y or S-U-N-N-Y, but S-U-N-N-N-Y, you don't look a day over 30. <laughs> I can't believe it.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate a compliment. But I'm 65 years old, Oscar. I'm an old man. And I appreciate it, and I'm happy to still be around. I'm happy to be here to talking to you.
0: Well, uh, it's a blessing. This is <laughs> this podcast is being recorded a couple of days before the Mississippi State game. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the honorary captain uh, mm-hmm. for that game, and uh, you know a lot of people, the younger people, the the people that is forty and under, mm-hmm. uh, some of them don't know the leading all time ground gainer in the history of Kentucky football that goes back over 100 years, is a guy that looks like he's 30 years old today, Sonny Collins. How special is it for that record to have held up like it has all these
2: years? Interesting. I- I'm surprised that this is still, you know, standing until I'm sure this, uh, uh, this kid, um, Benny, should, should be able to pass it. Uh, but we're talking about over 40 years, you know. Records are made to be broken, and um, it's it's overdue. But you know, I'm not. You know, when I think back on it, and I was talking to uh, you know several of my former teammates like Derek and some of the other guys, and I recall probably maybe 10, 15 years ago there was a kid they had here named Mo Williams. Mo was super, and Mo, I mean, he was right there, but they i, I and think he's number two now, yeah, you know, and I'm thinking that uh if Mo had stayed his fourth year, he would have broken the record mm-hmm. but you know of course uh you know you're talking about uh making a choice between staying and then going on with your life and becoming you know almost an instant millionaire, millionaire you know for him, and i he made the right choice and he left. I would have done the same thing. If they were off that kind of oh, money Oh, back then, I've been gone. I'd, hey, thanks, Kentucky. I'd like the rest of them. <laughs> the way they're doing it now, you know, in basketball and football. You know? Let's
0: get back to your childhood for a minute. Sure. Growing up in western Kentucky and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody throughout the state heard about Sonny Collins long before you actually came up here as a freshman. What was it like growing up? Were you in a large family?
2: you know um my siblings i have i have three other siblings uh and a very strong christian f- uh, family mother and father was there members of our family was was uh very close and it was uh for me personally it was a it was a great experience even to this day so i was uh, i'm just wanted to I feel very fortunate
0: growing up what was the first sport that you enjoyed playing just on the
2: sandlots? Football. And I recall it was early, probably the mid-50s, late, early 60s. My father would watch the uh, Chicago Bears back then. And uh, during that time, I recall, you remember if, uh, Dick Buckus? Oh, yes. And uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other, of course, Gail Sayers. Mm-hmm. And Gail has always been my idol. And I remember watching Gail so run. you had
0: to watch the movie and tears had to flow. Um, all,
2: all of that, I I actually emulated Gail Sayers. You know, I was, he was my hero. But it's
0: and, amazing that you say that because our last podcast was with Cotton Nash. Mm-hmm. And he said his favorite all time pro football player. He said it's not even close, it's Gail Sears. That's who I wanted to be like.
2: I can understand. For me, he was just what they call him, black magic. And um, I just, uh, and what I think even add to that, my sophomore year in high school, I had won over 2,000 yards and 24 some touchdowns, and we had maybe two other games left. And I had uh, injured; I had an injury again, and it was a detached retina. Gail Sayers sent me an autograph picture, and I was in the hospital, and uh, that was the most enlightening thing. That I can recall so sports wise he's been your inspiration inspiration all the way on and off the field
0: that's correct as you as you grew up and got into high school <laughs> at what point did you start thinking about playing at the next level college football
2: I I can recall in the fifth grade during that time it's when Notre Dame um Michigan, Ohio State, USC was dominating you know, the, the air. Uh, and of course, we only, back then, you know, we only had maybe three or four stations ABC, CBS, and NBC. And, NBC. and uh, of course, the games was always played like on a Saturday, and I would you know, watch the games. And uh, I knew I wanted to uh, play at that level. Um And uh, I, I saw, uh, as you know as times went on, I, I, you know, I you know, knew I had a chance to probably play at that level, and I'd considered those schools as well as University of Alabama. Uh, Let's talk a little a, bit
0: more about the, the recruiting What schools did you visit and, and tell a little bit about how they each recruited you.
2: Yeah, um, well, interesting enough, Coach Bryant started recruiting me when I was a freshman in high school because, you know, he had a connection here.
0: That's correct.
2: And uh, he, you know, obviously I had a, I started as a freshman in high school and it was like 1600 yards or whatever it was and so on. So it was really, you know, eye-catching for someone like him. And he contacted me. And I thought that was really interesting. I said, University of Alabama, you know, I thought that was, you know, that was something, and Coach Bear Bryant, and he stayed in touch with me, mm-hmm. and um, and and of course, uh, things you know start moving. You know, other schools was interested as well. UK, of course.
0: By the time that you were sophomore, Kentucky brought in this defensive whiz from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. That's right. Uh, with John the famous Green. slogan, "We believe." That's right. And he talked to the governor and the people in the building the new stadium. That's right. Uh, so. How much influence did that have in the recruiting process with these other schools?
2: Besides Coach Ray being such a a, a great person off the field, um, my community was a, a, a U.K. supporter all the way, and when I had an opportunity to talk to Coach Ray and what he felt that was meaningful for me to be able to come to the university and what I could contribute to the university. I could be the start of something great here at this at the school. And uh, of course, at during that time, you got to keep in mind, Oscar. You know, I was I was recruited heavily, nationally wise, and and uh, and. Did you make official visits to other schools?
0: I don't know that they're called official visits back then.
2: I made a few, yes. I went to Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I did go out to uh, University of Colorado at the now time. at
0: Ohio State, was you there then?
2: He was there. He, yes, he was.
0: And who was at Michigan, Bo?
2: Bo, hmm
0: Okay. Yes. Uh, when it come down to the end... Mm-hmm. How did you finally just sort of say, okay, probably hard to say no to anybody, but at mm-hmm. the end you only got to say yes to one. Mm-hmm. Well, I,
2: I, I thought it was, and my father and I talked about it, and um, I said, Dad, you know, Kentucky doesn't have the, the best program, Period. But I think we—I think I'm going to stay home. I think I can do something there. I think I can contribute towards this program. And he agreed. Uh, the The community, Madisonville community, uh, was, you know, pretty much uh, University of Kentucky uh, supporters, as well as you know other communities.
0: Well, you know, at that time, I remember my father always told me about Bear Bryant. Forties, sure the orange Bow the sugar Bow yes um you know cotton bow-hmm and you know he 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 was so frustrated when Blanton come along and couldn't hardly continue it then Charlie Bradshaw came in and that was a thin 30 and we all knew the stories there and we said when is Kentucky going to go after a big name coach when are they going to get serious and the day they hired John Ray nobody believed him Nobody knew York. Why is John Ray the greatest defensive coach of all? Uh, and Notre Dame were winning championships with defense in. And he was coaching for Air Park. I mean, growing up in eastern Kentucky, I, mean, I was thinking, and I was telling my dad, dad, he's coming here. If they get Sonny Collins when he's a senior, because you were a freshman at the time, you know, if he gets them to build a stadium, it's going to happen. And by the time you got to be a senior and you come here, you get to play one year for John Ray. Uh, let's, let's go through that year a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of he, – he was starting to put the building blocks together. And you went through that year, and at the end of the year, he asked the board – he had one year left on his contract. And moving into the new stadium, he asked the board, give me two. He wanted Two. And, of course, they did not. And he left. Uh, What went through your mind and the players' mind at that time that did you think that that was going to be the end of everything? And I'm talking about before you knew who your new coach was going to be.
2: We were very disappointed. I know I was. Coach Ray and I had built, you know, a very good relationship. And it was hard. It was hard for me as well as the other, you know, freshmen he brought in. And we would have done fine. We would continue to move forward without a doubt. In at, at the
0: end of that year, uh, how do you feel about what you had been able to get done the freshman year? I mean, generally freshmen don't get contribute that much, but all of Kentucky was wanting Sonny Collins, not just to start, but they didn't want anybody else They wanted that quarterback to hand it off each and every time to Sonny Collins.
2: Well, um, Oscar, I can recall my freshman year. We were weak in several positions, and the quarterback position was a very weak position. Coach Kersey recognized that for what it was until he can bring in quarterbacks. So, Coach Kersey – took Mike Finuzzi, who was a running back, who played quarterback in high school, and made him a quarterback again, here. It
0: was basically between him and Ernie Lewis. Right. There for a year or two. And Ernie
2: was, you know, Ernie could throw the ball, but Ernie could, you know, uh, it, there, there was a problem in terms of height. For Ernie, he had to roll out to see over, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and that that was a problem.
0: What was it like that first year at the end of the year, knowing you were closing out uh, a historic stove field? You look back at it today, I'm sure, like I do with fondness, but boy, nobody could wait to get out of there at the end of that year. That's right. Uh, You got to close out one stadium. You got to open up the new stadium. And it seems like even with a new first-year coach, the enthusiasm throughout the state going into that new stadium, it was just – because that first year, you lost eight games. But you know what? You guys were right in every game except one, Florida. And it was just – I mean, if you had that kind of a margin of defeat right now, you'd say, you're, you're, you're a very good team. You're just missing a player or two. And the second year you opened up with Virginia Tech, went a pretty high scoring game. And then number four Alabama rose into town, which was at that time the first trip back for Bear Bryant. That's correct. And at halftime, 14 to nothing. Tell me your memories of that game.
2: We played Alabama like, like we were on a mission. For that first half, and the ties rolled afterwards. They just had too much gun power, you know. Do it was you, just, the, the,
0: could do you think you had any shot at all if they hadn't run back the opening kick
2: for a hundred yards? There was, uh, you know, there was there was a little bit of tenseness in the air, Oscar. When you look over, of course, for me personally. I, I love the challenge, but when you look over there and you see the tides and you see a hundred and some players, this is a way game for them. A hundred and some players over there.
0: And there was no limit on how many players could travel That's back there. That's correct. I mean, you looked like you were
2: going up against a. That's correct. And they had two first team defense, two first team offense. When I look up, when I'm on the field, I look up. It's a new jersey you're There's facing. There's a new jersey, a new clean jersey.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's uh, and that's the end of the story.
0: <laughs> you, you you guys had a that first year there, you were five and six. You were right in so many games that just a game or two here. Now you couldn't necessarily go to a bowl with a running record back then because there wasn't very many bowls. I mean, that's right. You you pretty much. Had to be eight and three. That's right. You know, or you weren't going anywhere. That's right. But uh, throughout that season, uh, you lost to Alabama, twenty-eight to fourteen. Indiana game, seventeen to three. You were resting on how well you'd played the week before. I think that's pretty evident, because that was probably one of your worst games of the year, other than uh, you, you. You end up uh, beating Mississippi State. You lose sixteen to ten to Carolina. 28-21 to uh, LSU. You beat Georgia. You beat Tulane. You beat Vanderbilt. You lose 20-18 to Florida. And then you lose 16-14 to Tennessee. Even one of those two last games, you got a winning record in Fran's first year. Mm-hmm. Fran obviously, or it appeared like, he
2: won the team over pretty quickly. He did. And... Just a freshman unit that he brought in. Several of them did play, and they were good enough to meet to you know meet to that criteria, and they did.
0: And the freshmen on that team, and the freshmen the next year, were the bulk of that team that went ten and one. That's
2: correct. But The bulk of them uh, in seventy six when they went nine and three actually, I think it was like nine and three in seventy six. Yes, that's and correct. And then they. Went on up to that ten and one, but I I, I saw it coming. Uh, my sophomore year, the the uh, freshman's Oscar that they were bringing in, that he was bringing in, I knew we had something special here. Um, and and
0: uh, all of a sudden, your first full year, because you didn't play all that much. Your first one, your SEC Player of the Year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you you're regular. That had to help. That had to have been a little bit of a bonus for Fran in recruiting. I'm sure it You're was. You're going to come here and play with Sonny Collins.
2: He had no problem bringing recruiting uh, running backs, quarterbacks.
0: Did uh, were, were you guys involved in hosting high school players? And uh, do you remember uh, hosting any particular players? When I was.
2: I, I was, helped recruit quite often
0: was there any particular player that you remember specifically like hey had been for me maybe this guy wouldn't have been here
2: uh, Warren Bryant Derek Ramsey Art Steele Jim Kovach
0: in in 76 you make make the next step up now you're six and five and you're again playing very very well how do you remember that season
2: it was good. We were gelling as a, you know, as a unit, and it was uh, it was strong. I'm trying to think. That was 74. It could have been 74. A six and five. We went five. Was and it 600. 73 when you? 73 was the sophomore year when I was the um, player of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, when was you? 74. 74. Okay. And I think that was the probably the six and five yes we believe we beat florida that year that season you just didn't beat them you put a pretty good equipment yes, on
0: 4124
2: 24 yes we did i didn't play that game we had two games left that was florida and tennessee mm-hmm. but that that team was was gelling into what was to come
0: and the next year you're really starting to get some blue chip kids around we did and you, you, you started out that year, your senior year. Uh, you started out by beating Virginia Tech. Uh, you beat Kansas. You uh, lost. Uh,
2: the Penn State. You,
0: you, you uh, tied in Maryland. You lost to Penn State 10 to three. So, you know, you're sitting there in pretty good shape. You play Auburn. And you're up nine to nothing in the fourth quarter. And then we all know that that was one of the times that it just happened. Um, Had that particular game not happened and all the NON notes here and around, you think the rest of that season would have been different?
2: I would have. Unfortunately, things happened off the field from a former teammate, and it mentally collapsed. The rest of that season, and that was just unfortunate. It wasn't it had nothing to do with with the you know, with the talent there. And it was you know everyone was young, could not understand why the the media pressure and outside was intervening in a very negative way because of what had happened away from. The uh, from the university.
0: Uh, there, there was a death involved out, uh, away from it. Uh, that's correct. Uh, someone had uh, was discovered in Ohio River.
2: That's correct.
0: And uh, every player on that team, and I ask you this because you're the only player on that team that I've I've done this podcast with. That's had to have been a, a unbearable, unbearable scar that each of those players has had to wear. Yet none of them was involved in it. That's correct. Uh, it, 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 it's. I mean, what do we say a lot, life is not always fair. I feel like in particular with you being the star, being the Kentuckian that come here. Uh, you were always flamboyant. I mean that's Sonny Collis. Uh you always had the afro and we'll talk about how that come about in a minute, but I, I I felt like when you left here, it was almost like can I ever come home again? Have you been able to move past that?
2: Unfortunately, no, because during that time, uh, I felt my accomplishments weren't complete, and um, it, you know, it's it's um, you know it's it's things that that continues to. Remind you of certain uh, things that happened, especially at the point in time in your life where life was good on and off the field. Um, my teammates and, you know, the community, all but, that but, you were but
0: but, but but then you realize, and don't you realize now, you're just as much loved today as you were the day before any of that happened?
2: I, I, I have felt that... For quite sometimes, I I didn't realize that for a while until we had the multimedia that we do now. You know, the internet and you know the it whole television. I so. mean,
0: there's so much negative about social media, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you can hear from a person that you even if they'd sent you a letter, it would have been you and him. And now everybody can see what John Smith thinks of Sonny Collins. Maybe a former teammate, maybe a former coach, maybe a former public official, where the personal letter would have meant so much to you, but now everybody gets to see it. I think that's the positive of social media. That so you're like, well, everybody didn't think that way, that I thought thought
2: that way. So true. And the feedback from the you know from the. The medium that we have uh, from form you know from former teammates and fans from doing that era just show their appreciation that I didn't realize was there because once I left, you know I just
0: is it difficult to come back today, as I said earlier, this is we're taping this before the game Mississippi State. How are you going to feel when you walk out there on the field
2: loved and uh very i'm sure supportive like i was like it was back you know in those four years that I was here
0: uh Tell us a little bit uh you know you have the your brenner look uh Bo has no idea who your brenner is mm. we we do uh tell me how that came about.
2: I had the Eurobrenner look, starting my junior year in high school. This, uh, this particular disease is called, I think, alopecia. You basically lose the hair fibers, lose your hair. That happened to me in high school. Not good. You gotta keep in mind, doing that era the late 60s the early 70s we had long hair and big afros <laughs> that was that was the movement i did not fit in with that movement <laughs> it wasn't about a style for me it was about fitting in and but you don't realize what people outside when you present yourself how they perceive you and so, so
0: often perception becomes a reality to that people. is
2: correct you know they see sunny Collins, knowing that i had a bald head with an afro wig and then all of a sudden i got the, have the fur, one jackets. Really nice coat. <laughs>
0: the oh,
2: fur jacket oh we all had nice <laughs> coats that was the style you know the long coats and the max and the hot you know the uh what was it the uh Everyone was wearing. Even older men back then, the fifties was wearing the what well, stack heels. Is all well, <laughs> the big heels. Everyone was with the big bell bottoms. That was the style, you know. Uh, so um, I may have looked a little more impressive <laughs> with the style, mm-hmm. which, you know, your perception is what it is. But that that was good. It was fun. Uh, we. We were the, you know, we were the baby boomers of that era. We were young. We had a blast. Uh, life was good for, you know, throughout the country as well as on every campus. Um, everyone uh, was very supportive in any direction that you would look. So it was, uh, it was a, it, you know, it was it was a perfect. It was a perfect lineup with the Stars. You know, uh, life was good, and we had a chance to share it.
0: After your final season here and you set the records and everything, you were drafted by Atlanta, second round. Um,
2: Tell me how that went. Well, unfortunately, I still carried – uh, quite a bit of um, the burden of what uh, what went on in my my senior year. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when I did play uh, with the Falcons, uh, the, the, my first rookie year was a decent year when they put me in. I I, I recall setting a record um, with. Uh, for the first time as a rookie I think um, allowed me to carry the ball like 31 times I ended up with 170 yards something like that against either San Francisco or or, or Seattle I can't recall but each time that they that that I started I would uh, you know I would go over 100 yards uh, and but I think there was a little conflict there because I was a second-round draft, and they had this kid out of Texas AM, Bubba Bean. He was the first-round draft. So they and depended. the general
0: manager's trying to protect That's his draft correct.
2: Status. That's correct. So uh, when I stepped up to the plate and was moving in the right direction, at the same time, we weren't winning. <laughs> but I was contributing, and I recognized that... Um, at this uh, professional level, there is a lot more goes into this besides just loving to play the game. Mm-hmm. There's a business side to it, and that was very disappointing.
0: You got caught up in the business.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Tell me a little bit about life after football.
2: Yeah. Um, came back to the UK
0: and got your degree? I did.
2: I came Tell back. Tell me a little bit about that. I did. I came back, I'd say probably like 10 years later, and I think it was in the late 80s. Mm-hmm um my at, at current wife uh, I uh, we met actually Sheila and I met uh, my rookie year while I was in Atlanta and we've been together since so it was in 76 77 So we've been together for 40 years congratulations yeah, thanks um and um but I at doing that doing that window that 10year window from playing the ball and, and of course, uh, the, my uh, uh, NFL career was very short. Uh, I went on and start. Uh, I ended up working for Delta Airlines. She was an airline uh, employee as well, and uh, we ended up uh, having a family. And I said, Sheila, I, I, I want to go back and get finish my education, and uh, we both agree. And of course, uh, Kentucky. Uh, University of Kentucky opened that that door for me. Uh, Bob Bradley, who just retired this past I think year, uh, he was he was the foundation of that as well as CM Newton, Coach Newton, love him to death. Uh, I miss him. Um, welcomed me back, and uh, I was here on campus uh, for two years, I believe, to finish up, and I did. And all the accomplishments, this one was the most that I feel that I've done.
0: How important was it for you personally to get that
2: degree? Very important, very important. That's, my father, Wanted me to not only go to college but to graduate from a university. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't do that at the time I was here.
0: But you did come back.
2: I did come back, and I was fortunate that my father was still alive and he was there to watch me graduate. So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I was ready for it. My family, my daughter, you know, she grew up being able to see me to go to school. And she was only in, uh, when we moved back here, I think Farron was probably in the fourth or fifth grade, something like that. And uh, she enjoyed here, and she realized that um, this is what she wants to do as well. Her mother was a graduate uh, from Maryland University, and uh, now that she knows at the time that, that I'm a graduate from the University of Kentucky. Well, in results, Farron graduated from Penn State University. So
0: what, what, what message would you have for athletes today, beyond the obvious ones that can make millions in NFL or NBA, very, very few can you do that. I mean, what, what's, what would the message be from you having gone through that process that athletes should have today about getting a degree, as well as just playing the game?
2: And that's a good question. However, you know, the kids today, when they walk, basically make that choice between staying and leaving, and you become a multi-millionaire. It's uh, really uh, pretty much an easy decision. However, you have Athletes like Shaq, you no, know, Shaquille O'Neal was a multi-millionaire, but he went back. Yes, he, went he did back
0: to school. Yes, not that went, long ago. Yeah,
2: that's right. And that just shows. And he
0: promised his
2: dad, who was really right. his stepdad. That's correct. And it's about just fulfilling those goals and plans that you've had in life, and that's good. And 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 you can do that. And I hope, uh, you know, that it can that. He's a good example where eventually people like that, uh, athletes like that, will go back and um, you know, complete their education. Uh, It just shows discipline and for their family and the community. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's a very gratifying thing to do since you had your or got
0: received your degree back in the late 80s do you make many trips back for Kentucky football or
2: I do not unfortunately it's not that i I'm avoiding it but it's just you know different things change in life uh, and I don't have the opportunity to come home as often as I do want to but um, when I when I when I do come home, I try to make the best of it, and I'm just so thankful that I'm able to be here for this today and for this coming weekend. Awesome.
0: Uh, have you have you been at the stadium the last two or three years since they've redone it, and what's your thought about the UK program today with the coaching staff at Day, Mark Stoops, and where it sits for the future?
2: From what I you know, from what I. Uh, uh, Read and and, and and just pulled up information. Kentucky program uh, really is going. It's, it's to uh, like a it's like a neck neck to uh, the University of Alabama. You know they have an excellent program down there in terms of you know facility. Kentucky has the same now. I, I like that. Uh, the, uh, not just from the athletic standpoint and from the stadium standpoint, but through the academic standpoint. So um, that's, what, that's what we should be.
0: Speaking of academic standpoint, and we'll circle back to Bob Bradley again. Sure. Um, in the early 70s, um, that was the beginning of the academic tutorial services for UK athletes. They did not have that. Uh, before Frank Downing got here, I guess it was uh, in the early 70s. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Bob Bradley over the last 40 plus years. I doubt if there's a single individual at the University of Kentucky that's had a more impact on as many athletes as he said.
2: He loves what he does. He loved his job. And you see the results. And I'm one of them.
0: How how did he he encourage you? Did he get you through uh, sugar and molasses, or did he get through to you by threatening you with, like, hey, I'm going to have to let the coach know you're doing this? Well,
2: with Bob, no. Bob had a plan. He showed you the plan, what you're able to accomplish with the plan, and you need to just – be smart enough, or use common sense to stick with the plan. And that's what he done. He can't follow you around and force you, and he didn't do that.
0: I look at you, and you look like you're in great health. I see a lot of college football players today your age and younger, and I worry about them. I worry that they've taken so many hits. Uh, some players who played here at Kentucky. Does that concern you? And, and if it does, what's your thoughts about the game in the future as it relates to this?
2: Oscar, and again, that's a good question. And just from being, I guess, what we call a uh, uh, guy sitting on the side and Observing and looking at what these athletes are doing, and what uh, and, and it's it's just a change, Oscar. You're, you're seeing bigger, stronger athletes, faster athletes. Uh, you're you know you're seeing a another level in terms of the hits. Um, the strategy of the game. And with, with all of that sin comes a side of, okay, serious injuries, um, And um, should you make a decision to basically walk away from the game much earlier? or stay in the game I, I just uh, it, it's it's would, uh, it's just I think now at the point is Oscar it's just an indiv- it's, it's an individual um, decision if you had
0: grandchildren that were 10 12 years old getting ready would you encourage them to play football or not
2: I, well if they play football or basketball and again if they played football and they enjoyed it um, if, uh, if they decide you know if there was an injury and he said, hey dad I don't want to play anymore I understand. I understand you know that uh, some you know some uh, careers last longer than others and you got to know when to basically walk away. I did it when I was playing professional ball. I, I broke my ankle again and some other thing I said, uh, "I'm done. I'm not. I refuse to accept cripple, being a cripple, or having, you know, terminal damage for the rest of my life. So I'm done. You know, unfortunately, and so I don't regret it." However, you know, I know several players, uh, and, and, you, and you as well, who can stay in the league for several years and, and more and uh, have no problems at all from the injuries. You know, just, just the fact that, you know, you're older now and you feel a few aches and pains here, but other than that, you're just one of the lucky ones and you move on with your life.
1: You've just listened to episode 75 of Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Part two of Oscar's conversation with Sonny Collins will be episode 76 in which Sonny will talk about his teammates, former coaches, and a wide variety of topics with Oscar. Make sure you've subscribed to Oscar's podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and on Stitcher. Just search for at Wildcat News and subscribe and each episode of Conversations will be automatically downloaded to your mobile device when released. And you can do this absolutely free oscarcombs.com is where you can also find episodes of conversations and to keep up with Oscar and the cats, follow him at Wildcat News on Twitter. I'm Bo Robinson and our thanks goes to Sonny Collins for taking time out of his schedule. And my thanks for you to listening to conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's and double dogs. And as always, go big blue.